This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Amanda Celine Miller, the voice of Boruto and Sailor Jupiter, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime comics, movies and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah the reason why you heard the affliction go up so high is because i don't recall the last time i did a prime show this is the first prime show since 200 this is 201 and i just realized geez i think i may have done like eight other podcasts before going coming back to the prime show because they were they were also like star podcasts i had uh some of the uh, exclusives with uh, Jamar Nicholas and Desmond Wong from the Gentle Brothers. And I have not been able to do a Prime show in a while. And in fact, this the bad part is this might be the only Prime show because I believe I got to travel again next week. I just came back from traveling, mind you. And uh, that's the reason why I am not in New York Comic Con for the first time ever, because I had to ha- already had commitments and I was actually asked to be a part of New York Comic Con this year, which would have been absolutely awesome, but it was so impromptu, and I just didn't have the time to prep for it. I would have had to catch a hotel and such to do so, and, you know, I'm pretty sure it would like, it, it just would have been crazy. Plus, I already had commitments with my wife anyway this weekend, so that got scratched, and, but, lo and behold, I am happy to say, and I'm definitely going to announce now, Talk Time Live will be at new york comic con in 2020 guarantee god willing <laughs> it will be there under what circumstances i don't know but i was supposed to do uh i was asked to do two panels this weekend but it just given the time and scheduling and everything and what i already had to do wouldn't it happen but let's see what happens next year but uh i told him i am a definite lock i will be there regardless so this is going to be great because this is the first time I've ever had a chance to go to New York Comic Con. So probably the only other big con I have not been to. And judging from everything that I've read and seen from other people who have attended, 
it's actually bigger than ever. They're doing things this year that I have not seen prior year. And one of the biggest things is exclusives. So, you know, that was the one thing that I, I said that, you know, separated them from San Diego Comic-Con was the exclusive, you know, buys and, and purchasing and such there. So now it looks like they got that. Some other big things are coming out of there as well. So we got a lot of news going on in, involving that. But I also, this weekend, somehow, someway, got a chance to see the Joker movie. Uh, and yes, I am still intact. Everything went fine. Great crowd. Nobody, you know, got hurt. Thank goodness. We enjoyed what possibly could be a masterpiece maybe we'll see we'll talk about that in our talk topic today as well so uh we got a lot of news to go on too so without further ado folks let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg All right, folks, I got to apologize, first of all. If I sound a little bit like nasally or whatever like that, it looks like my allergies are kicking up for some reason. The seasons are changing. This is definitely fall weather right now. It's no longer 90 degrees. It's possibly about, give or take, 62 degrees in here, which means it's like drop-dead cold on my office right now. And, you know, th- you know, just changing weather. I'm actually wearing a jacket. This is what I wanted. I've said I wanted this. I got it. I did not want the allergies. So... <laughs> I do apologize if I do sound a little bit nasally for him, but we're going to get through it and push through and talk about all of our favorite fandoms right now, including I want to start off by talking about this week's Titans on on the DC Universe. Uh, This show, this show has picked up amazingly, like the pacing of this show has picked up amazingly since the first season. And I, I was okay with the first season. It just, it was too slow. Um, it was a very slow burn in the first season, but somehow there was something about it I wanted to stick on to, and it didn't feel like up to par like all the other shows that, you know, the Berlanti Productions is normally used to. I don't know what it is, but when they ever use a storyline involving Will, uh, Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke, things seem to pick up amazingly. And once again, they used... Ace, they're using the storyline because it's Titans and Titans is very synonymous with uh, Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke. Very synonymous with this. And now they're using them. Actually, they're using them very appropriately because I, I'm i not a DC guy, but I'm pretty sure Arrow and Slade and in and, and the DC universe didn't really go up, you know, a match. But this is way more appropriate than it is before because... I mean, if you if you watch Teen Titans, if you you know the animated series, if you um, read the comic books, he is like Magneto to the X Men, probably worse in some cases. And they brought him in this season, and it it, it has not it's not been a disappointment at all. He has not been a disappointment. They used a different actor this time, and man, is things picking up heavy. They're making him a serious threat to the titans right now so much so like the titans are like really not feeling about facing him and knows how serious this guy is and how big of a deal he is and even uh even uh donna troy who actually is like venice she's from venice i mean like she is an amazon she's wonder woman but you like wonder woman light 
she is she's been a one to voice how how much she does not want to face this guy and why the titans actually has disbanded after after you know battling him which is crazy i love the way that they making him such a big threat this is how you do it you make i mean this is how you really do it i love this type of storytelling you make your antagonist extremely well powerful and you got to beat the odds so and, and this is more appropriate to say like the fiend on pro wrestling as opposed to like seth rollins who runs like a little coward definitely from this guy who he's faced before he's faced this guy before so it's like this is the the, the storytelling this is way more appropriate than that of you know what they're doing in, in wwe because it just makes no sense but here it's just like you have jason todd in the last episode when we last seen was um facing dr light and wound up you know being in a trap because deathstro came out and they end up uh, abducting him and you know actually attacking him as well and kidnapping him we also see at the end of dr light at the hands of slade due to dr light's lack of patience in this episode so i love the Dr. Light character. I forgot the uh, actor who plays it. He, he's been on a lot of different shows. Um, the one of my, one of the favorite shows I've seen him on was, uh, Scrubs. He was in like the season after all the, the major cast left and him and a whole bunch of other people, you know, came along the new generation cast came along. Um, he was in that, he was in that series as well, but he played Dr. Light. I thought he played a really good Dr. Light. And I knew the way him and Slade were going back and forth that, he was going to catch it. I didn't realize it was going to be this soon. So now we're asked out of Dr. Light. I would love to see him, you know, do more on this show, but it is what it is. You know, Slade offed him majorly, um, which was funny because during a scene where he was in a car, he was getting really hyped, but he's about to go, you know, kick the Titans ass from what he said, because things were just not progressing uh, quick enough. He was listening to, I believe, Nickelback in the car, and it was just, it wasn't any Nickelback song. For, I, I think it, I believe it is Nickelback that he was listening to, but it was the song from one of the old SmackDown shows, one of the old WWE SmackDown shows that they used to use. And I, I thought that was really funny that they used that particular song, but um, it was really it, it, that was a really funny moment to be honest. Um, this led to an encounter with rave well actually let me i'm pushing back the titans try to stop slade's daughter who i forgot to name I've, i believe is ravenger um but they try to uh stop slade's daughter from running away after hearing them talk about delivering her back to their father because they want this to be over with they don't want any real they don't want any crap they don't want anything to do with slade <laughs> right now and the fact that his daughter is there but rob uh dick grayson also is like disagreeing with this he wants to you know protect her they are saying like let's take her back it's, it's a back and forth she is able to hear it because her and uh garf beast boy uh were able to listen in while they talk so she put it up she took it upon herself to try to run away um beast boy ended up telling them like she she is fleeing they put out the security to keep her from there and this leads to an encounter with her and raven who became uh overwhelmed with her demon power to and practically killed her uh she pushed her back into this pillar crushing 
bones in her body and disfiguring her <laughs> to no end. Almost in the same fashion that, almost in the same fashion that uh, the scene from The Incredible Hulk, where uh, I forgot his name, uh, the Abomination. Before he became the Abomination, uh, he was the soldier, and he kicked him back. He kicked him back so hard and like just broke every bone in his body. This is kind of what Raven did to her, except. She somehow rejuvenated and reconfigured herself, her body back to normal, like a robot. Just so this leads us to something else: was why Slade is after her. Why you know what's so valuable about her? There's something going on with this chick because she was like twisted to pieces after Raven attacked her, and Raven ran away because she thought she killed her. And all of a sudden, she just comes back. This so this is an interesting thing. Um, the last scene left us also with a cliffhanger as Robin, and this is Jason Todd, apparently dropped uh, to his death during a battle with Deathstroke and Dick Grayson, aka Nightwing. Note, Starfire was also in the room during the time when he fell out of the building, which could lead to her possibly um, revealing that she could fly and she ends up saving Jason Todd in the next episode. So the next episode, I believe, is called... Uh, Connor, and it's the debut of Connor, aka uh, Superboy, and his dog Crypto the dog. Many of you remember Crypto the dog if you're old enough. Crypto the dog is not just from the comic books. I believe he originated from the actual animated cartoon back in the day, the Saturday morning cartoon that they had uh, back in the day with Crypto in there. So that it was it didn't start in Young Justice, and it damn sure didn't start in his own TV show. Crypto is a he's been around for a long minute. So, uh, I, I really, it's really cool that they actually keep bringing him back into different formats and everything because I believe he was just a created cartoon character for Superboy or Superman way back in, I believe, the 70s or the um, early 80s or such. So, that, you know, that show, if any reason, like, there's a lot of reasons to get the DC Universe right now, but Titans is really redeeming himself as picking up. And, uh, you know, they. I, I love it. I, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm actually reading. I'm about to read the uh, Doomsday Clock series uh, on the DC Universe app right now. So th- this is a good thing. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get the bug to want to start reading again, and then I am looking for a reason to do it. And the Doomsday Clock was one of those stories I heard that was really well done. So I'm going to jump back on that. Hopefully I can find something from Marvel. I'm actually reading the Defenders right now, the one that Dave Marquez, uh, Marquez uh, actually drew. So and that's actually a pretty good series as well. So I'm starting to get the bug back. I'm just look. I, I, I needed Marvel to come up with some really good stuff. And I heard the House of X also is a really good series that is bringing people back. I'm not solely sold on it yet, but I think I'm going to jump on. That might be the first one I jump back on for Marvel as well. So we will see on that note. All right. So in other news, and especially involving New York Comic Con, a lot of announcements came out from New York Comic Con, including the CW, who announced that at New York Comic Con, a new animated short series called Deathstroke Knights and Dragons will be coming to the CW in 2020. If you guys remember and watched a lot of the CW Seed uh, content, they usually have a series of animated shows, uh, mostly sometimes, a lot of times connected to the CW universe, or what I call the DCW universe, um, in animated form. So this, I'm not sure it's connected to the Arrowverse or not, but they usually are really well done, but the really frustrating part about it is that they're usually five minute 
clips and they don't tell you that they never seem to tell you that and so you're waiting to watch this show and it's like five different parts or something like that it's like a five series episode when you combine it all together it's just a half hour show so, so i mean that's kind of the frustrating part about the whole thing but it's not without saying that how really good the series is and it really is a tease to see to really want you to watch more of it so uh in this one this is very interesting because this version of deathstroke this time will be played by none other than michael chiklis who you know from the shield uh i personally one of my personal favorites fantastic four when he played the thing uh because i call it a guilty pleasure whatever like that i didn't think that those movies were bad and I thought he did. He made a pretty good Ben Grimm on there, and he also recently played in Gotham as the uh, recent uh, police uh, commissioner, as well, or police chief or commissioner, regardless. That went just, you know, batshit crazy after you know from that. I forgot what it was this, like some type of poison or serum or something like that that made the entire everybody crazy and super strong or whatever. So the story with this is 10 years uh based on 10 years ago where slade wilson aka super assassin called deathstroke made his tragic mistake uh and his wife and son paid a terrible price now decade later wilson uh wilson's family is threatened once again by the murderous jackal and the terrorists of hive can deathstroke atone from his sins of the past or will his family pay the ultimate price again so it's just you know nice little simple story premise right there they showed a clip of it going on art style is really really interesting really cool art style uh animation similar to that of you know what we see on the normal dc animated shows but also the look reminds me of kind of samurai jack in a sense but with the exception that there's like a outline to the uh, character design and such. It looks really interesting, very violent. This is not for the weak at heart. So, uh, you know, ca- be cautious to that if you don't like violence, because <laughs> this animated series looks like it's gonna be very violent. So again, it's coming out in 2020. I'll be definitely looking forward to checking that out. So also announced in uh, New York Comic Con was the premiere of the latest edition of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. This is what I've been waiting to hear this. I have been so waiting to hear this. Um, I've enjoyed every single series of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and uh, Diamond is Unbreakable was really well done. I didn't know if I was going to like that because I'm so into the one with the original JoJo and Dio and Jotaro that I grew up watching, you know, when I started watching anime. And to know that all these other versions and all these descendants, they're going to keep going and, and going and going. So this one is going to be golden wind which is the one i've been waiting for for one particular reason i remember a while back in our acmg facebook group somebody and forgive me i forgot who it was if you're listening somebody actually posted the end credit to uh, the end credit scene um to golden wind i believe it was golden wind and they're known for using iconic pop culture or, or pop music or you know or what is like iconic music just in general whether it's rock whether it's pop regardless for the end credit scenes which is really awesome i know one of my favorites was when they did walk like an egyptian on the uh on the joe uh with the egypt version well before and then when he went to the egypt version he went somewhere else and i was like that's kind of corny it's just keep with the uh walk like an engine uh i mean walk like an egyptian song but 
I was so happy, and I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody re-edited it uh, or just put it there, but I was told this is for real, and that when Golden Wind, at the end credit scene, they're going to play Freaking You featuring Jodeci. And let me tell you how much of a fan of that of that group I am. Like, Jodeci growing up in the 90s was the-ish. Like, this is Jodeci was one of the hottest R&B groups in that time. They, I mean, some of the music that they had, it was Casey, JoJo, Devontae, all those cats. You know what I'm saying? Um, yo, Jodeci was the heat. It, I, I love the fact that somehow, some way, Japan found this song and picked this song to be at the end. I mean, when you talk about bizarre. That is beyond bizarre, but in a great way. Like, Freaky You was one of the hottest songs out there. You talk, like, back in the day, before millennials, back in the day when we actually had relationships, when we actually knew how to approach people socially without, without you know, without, without the internet and whatever like that, and how we knew how to romance a person, a woman, or a man, whatever. We used to make mixtapes. And your mixtape had to be had to be locked legit, and you had to just mix a whole. You call it playlist now, but you know mixtapes basically back in the day was used for one sole reason. It wasn't for personal use. It was to you know kind of get in the groove of things, if you know what I mean. And Jodeci was one of those songs. Freaking was one of those songs that you would get in and get in. <laughs> so I remember because I used to make mixtapes a lot and I used to make, make mixtapes for friends for my friends back then so Jody's this freaking you was one of those kicks when it came out I was rocking and I was adding on to the mixtape because you had to you had to look when things get heated you had to be in the right mood and um you know rest in peace mom sorry <laughs> but we used to this is one of the things I used to have back in the day when I used to get with a girl it used to rock, you know. So it's really awesome to hear and bizarre to hear that they're using this song for the end credit. And I'm really looking forward to the season coming on Adult Swim on October 26th at 2.30 Eastern Standard Time. Unfortunately, I will not be staying up that late. So I will absolutely be DVRing this. And which is funny because, again, Adult Swim, if, you, uh, if you're in the West Coast, Adult Swim caters more to you than anything because it's done in the West Coast. So here, it's here and it's, it's here like 2.30 a.m. here. Chances are it is 11.30 in the West Coast. So they're seeing it at a great time. Like they see Adult Swim, Toonami on Adult uh, Toonami in the West Coast is aired at a great time. So it's like at 12 o'clock, it's like nine o'clock over there. And that's when it airs over there. So I'm, I, I, I forever hate it. The only time I love watching Toonami is like during when I'm in San Diego, during San Diego Comic-Con. Some of the best times I was able to watch Toonami because it just came on like all the good, st- all the good shows that I wait 11 o'clock or something like that is on at nine o'clock over there. So it's awesome, but I'm looking forward to seeing this series. I heard it was a really good series and I just, it just to top it off with that, I can't wait. So get, uh, get ready. It's coming. The whole lineup has changed actually too. So, um, I do have the lineup right here, which is fairly interesting. There's a lot of things coming um, on and a lot of things coming back. For instance, um, Dragon Ball Super will be replaying. It's like the only show that is replaying, 
uh, from the jump. So they're going to be replaying Dragon Ball Super. And, and for those who own the um, who has subscribed to the Funimation app, be but rest assured that Dragon Ball Super, the complete series, will be airing now because I believe I haven't got a chance to see it yet. But I believe that Dragon Ball Super's last episode aired last night. So uh they will be and that's why the replays will start very soon they will be airing that pretty soon on the entire series so get ready to binge on dragon ball super when it comes out on uh funimation now from there but dragon ball super will be replaying and still remain at 11 and 30 uh the second season of one punch man in english will be coming out uh soon as well i believe on the 26th it's out on hulu right now exclusively but the english version is not there it's only the subtitle version so they managed to get the uh rights to do the uh english version there so get ready for that dr stone which uh, actually has been pretty good so far it's a very interesting anime uh will still remain at uh 12 a.m now fire force also a really good anime is going to be on 12 30 food wars will remain at one o'clock Demon Slayer is going to be at 1.30, uh, which I believe is a new series that's coming out too. Or if, I don't know if it's already out or not. Uh, Black Clover is going to be 2, uh, 2 a.m. As I mentioned, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Naruto, Shippuden, still 3 a.m. Lupin the Third, Part 5 at 3.30. And uh, the last but not least is My Hero Academia. But I guarantee My Hero Academia will be back probably at an earlier date when they change it when a new season comes out very soon so stay tuned for that um noticeably out right now is baruto i think they were working on new episodes so they may have just taken that out right now but i'm sure that will be back um probably down the line from there but baruto has been really good i've really enjoyed um watching those episodes so i'm looking forward to it but the lineup stays strong with tsunami uh, and adult swims tsunami if you if you want to call it that and i love it i love it i love it uh dearly so let me you know what i tell you i want to rant real quick and tell you what i don't love <laughs> there's a lot of shows there's a lot of channels now that plays um let me see that plays a lot of anime now and uh disney xd is one of them if you guys have seen it and a disney xd version is catered to the kids for mostly because they play a lot of pokemon and kids version of them but I still check it out from time to time. The one I am a big fan of promotion because I work in it. I you know I'm involved in some of it, so in marketing and such. I hate promotion that tries to pull the wool over your eyes, and you know. And this is why I got this is probably why I got beef with WWE right now because they they try to insult their fans' intelligence right now. Some fans are puppets to it. It is what it is. Um, but i mean they cater to that type of demographic if you will and people will fall for what they do but i can't fall for it i can't deal with it. i tried this week and it just didn't work raw smackdown still sucks in my opinion especially what they did to coffee kingston by the way uh for all you wrestler fans that are watching seven freaking seconds my ass but i digress with it comes to disney xd's advertising of anime one of the things that stuck out of my head was the guy the narrator on the commercial says disney xd anime it's not about being otaku it's about being you it, that is like the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life anime is about being otaku it, it is it is i'm sorry like being an otaku now being a fan of anime or casual fan of anime is one thing 
but being otaku means that you love anime a lot like you're a big fan of anime you always practically damn near super fan of anime and the culture in general so yes it is about being otaku like what would the i don't understand the premise or reason or the purpose of that of that message in that i don't get i i really don't understand i think somebody was trying to make a message out of this or, or a statement out of this it did not come out right this was not a good statement i really hate that commercial to death um i guess i can if that's their way of saying you can still enjoy anime and not love it dearly too much or whatever like that that's i guess it's just you it's just said wrong being an otaku from a from, a, from an american context just plainly means that you are being a big fan of anime like you're a huge fan of anime you are very knowledgeable to that extent you love it you love the culture you love the uh ideology you love the philosophy of it the art direction all that you own a ton of different you know figures uh artwork uh memorabilia whatever you're 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 pretty much in taco in japan sense it just means somebody who is just a nerd of sort of a certain subject it is just term a nerd but we fashioned it to something a little bit connected to anime in America. And in a sense, yes, it is about being otaku. It is. It, and you want to be an otaku if you're an anime fan. Because there are lots of reasons to be an otaku. So, I mean, that commercial right there, really, I, I, I it really irks me. So I'm like, y'all could have went another way. And then y'all didn't, the bad part is they're catering to kids. So they're giving the kids the wrong idea. Or I guess... I don't think kids are paying it no mind. I don't think people understand the, the reason for it as well. So I just wanted to point that out. It's just like Disney X, Disney XD, please. You got to do something better than that. <laughs> it's just really. So more news announced at New York Comic Con as Crystal Dynamics and uh, Square Enix, as you know, they're heavily advertising Marvel's Avengers and they just announced and revealed that Miss Marvel, not the biggest secret in the world, but Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, will be the sixth playable character in marvel's avengers we knew everybody this is not really a secret at all we knew in some form or fashion that she was going to be in there we hear her voice in the credit in, in the beginning of the uh show uh, i'm sorry the game as we um you know they're celebrating a day and it's, it's her telling the story of it all so we kind of we knew we knew that this was going to happen and I believe that it was said that there's some gameplay in there as well. So it's always been speculated for uh, for the uh, for some time based on a trailer alone. Uh, but the gameplay um, uh, demo that they had from there is uh, actually interesting. Uh, this is believed that the the whole story, from what people are saying, that this is the game actually of the adventures is actually more based on Kamala Khan's origin story. So the game is more or less a Kamala Khan story more than it is the Avengers and she's you know round up in there based upon the situation of you heard the Terrigen Mist that just spread around during the A-Day celebration uh, or the Avengers Day celebration that happened so there are people who were there at uh, New York Comic Con to play the hands-on gameplay uh, preview of the game uh, at the event and reports have said that the uh, playing her character and the training simulator comes off pretty good uh, so far and her abilities to stretch and manipulate her body and size is all intact as well so that's going to be interesting so i'm looking forward to this game they 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 are working so hard <laughs> i gotta give them credit because 
like I said, during E3, a lot of people were, you know, myself included, were dogging them out because I'm like, what the hell is this? Why does everything look like that? When it was unfinished, we saw a more polished version of it. And each time they keep showing it and showing it and showing it and showing it, it's becoming very much more impressive. So kudos to them for working so hard to, you know, make sure that the fans, and they have to because this is a Marvel deal. You don't want to mess this up. You don't want to mess up a Marvel contract, a Marvel deal, because this is supposed to lead into better things. So there, I, I give them full credit. They have, to me, in my eyes, they redeemed themselves and they're going to keep redeeming themselves. And I actually am now more excited about playing this game more than ever. So I am not afraid to admit that I am wrong now and they have now proven themselves so i'm looking forward to it I, i'm now becoming a fan because now i'm starting to see some really great things coming out of this game coming out and now kamala khan being one of the main focuses in this game there you go i'm all for it so uh two really good series are out right now on netflix i highly recommend you guys go out of your way one of them is raising dion we've been waiting for this series to come out for quite some time now and it is out now it is Michael B. Jordan's latest project, which tells the story of a little kid named Dion uh, with extraordinary uh, telekinetic ability. Actually, not just telekinetic abilities. We're, as we're moving on to the series, I am. It's a nine-episode series. I have. I think I'm at episode five now. Just getting in, but he's developing a ton of different abilities. Uh, more, more than just telekinesis. Uh, uh, but also the ability to teleport and disappear, whatever like that. And, you know, he it's it's a really interesting. So it's him and his mother who is trying to keep him in control in fear of being uh, taken away, uh, not only from a certain company, but also this now ominous figure that takes away other people with the same abilities as Dion. So without getting too much spoilers, you know, it's it's this is getting big. I don't I've not gone through the entire series. Yeah, I believe, like I said, I'm in five, but things are getting really deep with this series and it's really good. Uh, Michael B. Jordan does make appearances so often uh, every so often in a few episodes. Uh, I like the fact that he doesn't overshadow the show that he's creating, that he does make appearances, but he's supposed to be the husband and the father to Dion who is a scientist that goes in uh, storm chase every so often. And apparently they were storm chasing this uh, tornado, which, and they were uh, appearing in this event that every, a lot of other people were trying to witness, but it turned out to be something way different, which everybody in that, in Iceland, apparently developed powers. And now it's this ominous figure that comes around that tries to take away all those people with powers. And it's it's uh, pretty interesting. And now they're going trying to find deeper and deeper situations here. Uh, very good show so far. I'm really enjoying it. Michael B. Jordan does make appearances, like I said. So you know, ladies, you got your, you you got you got your MBJ. <laughs> so don't worry about it. But he is there partially because he's no longer he's supposed to be dead. At least that's what we believe. He's supposed to be dead. And they show flashbacks of him and such like that, and they show appearances of him from time to time. Uh, but this is it's really good. The, the kid, the, the kids in general, all of the kids in this series are so adorable. They are. It's a heartwarming show that has a lot of action, uh, a lot of intrigue. Uh, the character, you know, these are, these are all actors I've never really seen before. 
with the exception of Michael B. Jordan. It's like, I believe he's giving people some really great opportunities and they're shining really well on this show. I, I really enjoy what I'm seeing here so far and I'm looking forward to seeing how this season, the first season ends here. So good job on this. Uh, Binge Menos. Also, Viz Media's latest project uh, in partnership with Power Animation uh, Studios and Netflix. It's an eight series episode. In an eight-episode series about three orphan martial arts warriors who join together to get revenge for the death of their mentor. Again, much like the Deathstroke, uh, this is extremely violent. <laughs> this show is extremely violent. I, you know, if you're if you're not you know into all that type of thing, I would not watch it. But it looks really good. I, I'm watching Raising Dion first, and then I'm going to jump on to that. So I have not watched it yet. But rest assured. Last time I checked, I saw a clip of that. There's a lot of vampires and stuff like that. There's some really interesting things going on with that one. Uh, also, what's so different about this is like this they consider this an anime, but it doesn't look like an anime. This looks more like a WB animated. Like the, the art styles looks way more like WB animated than it or or even like a Nickelodeon Korra Avatar animated than it does something from Viz Media, which is normally like a traditional anime style. So they're considered this an anime. Okay. Let's go with it. But it looks really good. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Um, I may actually inter- um, review it. I may actually review it. It looks really good. That and uh, Raising Dion. I might actually do both. So stay tuned for that and much, much more. But folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break. Come back. Really have a interesting discussion about the latest DC film, Joker. We'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. This is Tom Gibbous, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. And it's not a drag. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Fight! All right, folks, we are back with our Talk Topic of the Week, and it is my review of DC Films' latest and possibly greatest, at least one of them, films that they have come out because they don't have many, and that is Joker, the origin story of of Batman's greatest foe, his greatest rival. We finally get to find out how he became. At least now we do, because it's always been a mystery for years. And for I believe for a time they were going to keep it a mystery. But, you know, now we much like they did with Wolverine at a time. But now we started getting origin stories from these guys. And this is the latest. This is the latest telling of his origin story. There are other tellings as well in the comics. Um, year one, I believe. I forgot which one. Maybe year one, Batman, I believe. But also there was the animated series, uh, the animated movie. Uh, that they told his origin story as well. And 
this is their telling. Uh, Todd Phillips actually telling. He directed the movie. He also wrote it along uh, the movie along with Scott Silver to tell the story of one Arthur Fleck, who we also know is the Joker and his journey to becoming the Crown Prince of Gotham. You know, this movie. What I love about this movie is that again, it's a it's based on a comic book, but you wouldn't know it by watching it. You would not know that this is a movie based on a comic book character. Not only that, the most iconic, one of the most iconic villain characters in comic books right now, because it just plays itself like any other movie that you've seen. Any, not just any other movie, any other classic movie that you've seen. One of those movies that you'll see for years. Like this, this had to, this definitely had a taxi driver feel to it, among other you know, shows and series that it had with it too. Very, very much like that. And this, this is why I think this movie, this movie will be talked, not only talked about for years on end, but also this is guaranteed to get an Oscar or a Golden Globe nomination. I, I just see it coming. Jack Juan Phoenix performed an instant classic film and worked every bone of his body, literally every bone in his body to transform into, um, the iconic Gotham villain. And this movie truly, in its own way, became its own Breaking Bad tale with a hint of Fight Club suspense to it. And there's reasons why, and I'll be talking about that soon as well. Um, Here you have Arthur, or Arthur Fleck, which is the real name of the Joker. We finally get that. Arthur Fleck, who unfortunately grew up unconventionally with his mother, who we learned that is very ill. Arthur took care of her while performing as a clown, doing various gigs. In the midst of all of this, Arthur has just been beat down by life itself, has been bullied, has been beat up, has been made fun of because of a lot of things of his condition. He, uh, it turns out that he's, Arthur is, uh, was also chemically imbalanced in his condition uh, that forced him to laugh out of him even uh force it was like a forced laughter that came out of him even when he was intentional not intentionally wanting to uh he would provide cards to people <laughs> excuse me informing them letting them know that uh of what's going on similar to that of those you know if you, if you have a loved one or if you're a caregiver you know about this uh if you go out to restaurants and stuff like that and you may have a kid who may be a special needs kid or you have a loved one who may have been uh suffering through you know uh early stage dementia or even dementia or alzheimer's in that extent and you know they would provide you know the waiter a card or whoever is around a card to inform them that this person is under a certain circumstance and condition so which alerts the people around them to that special care will be needed for them and, you know, just be prepared for that stuff to happen. So he would have this card around saying that he has a special condition that, you know, makes him laugh in unconventional times, you know, and unpredictable times as well. So he can't control it. I uh, thought that was very interesting to add on to that. Very, very interesting that they added on to that part because I've never one, I've never heard of this condition before. They never really explain what the condition is or what the diagnosis is of that condition or what the term is made for. So it could be I, I could be wrong. I could you know on this, but there it just could be a fictitious condition that they just made just for him in this series that they couldn't explain. But 
That's what they did with this in here. So all he was looking for was to make people laugh based on what his mom used to always say, you know, make people smile, always smile, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, he wanted to make people laugh and, you know, that was turning for the worse. And, and, you know, the city at Gotham was just turning downhill. And the story of Gotham is kind of playing on certain things that are going on in this country right now. So they played on that. They also playing on the subject of mental illness as well. So that was very evident in this whole entire thing. And they used uh, the Joker as a vessel for that because it used to be back in the day that the Joker was just intentionally maniacal uh he was you know he everything he did he did with conviction well they're, they're playing on that too um that he knew he was very cognitive on everything that he wanted to do here they're kind of saying that it's a mental illness ability that is playing on this as opposed to him just being sane for this matter and his and all his you know uh wrongdoings if you will so they led to him in a very dark and psychotic path of destruction as he would soon learn more about his true upbringing and his true self. Uh, basically, and without, I mean, without totally spoiling it, I mean, it, it, it leads down a really interesting path uh, here. And I'm, you know, when I'm going down this road, I'm just letting people know, if you haven't seen a movie, I'm going to talk about the movie that may reveal some things. I will also say that this movie is not, like a really spoiler-ish movie because it's it doesn't lead to anything else. Just telling, it's a single story, it's telling a story. So there's no real spoiler-worthy things, but there are some things that connect together that you might want to be surprised. So in that sense, yeah, there is something spoiler, but it's not like leading to a new movie or anything. I just want to point it out. So again, if you don't want to be totally spoiled from this point on, wait until you see the movie yourself if not, if you want to know how good it is, whatever like that, or how whatever, just keep on going from here. So uh, I want to talk about the great performances that stuck out to me. And, of course, I'm putting uh, Jacqueline Phoenix on the side because that was just evident. He was just absolutely astounding. He lost a ton of weight to do this deal. He really sacrificed for this. This is going to be one of those things like Christian Bale. He, he had one of those Christian Bale performances. And I love that, uh, once again, another Batman-related actor went all out to play a role in, in based on Batman. So, you know, they went all out to really give you the grit and essence and empathy or apathy of the Joker here. Really got to understand, get into his head of what was going on. But aside from him, Robert De Niro. God, he's just been all around lately. I know he got some controversy going on. Um... But he also has some praise going on as well for what he's been saying about our beloved Lex Luthor. I'll just put it like that. And um, our real world Lex Luthor at that. And, you know, you got to love him. He's been, for, he's been for the people. He's been for my people for quite some time on so many ways. So on that note, much love to him. I hope the controversy is not real. But, you know, he's, he's fighting back on that whole entire situation. So, but him on this show... Him in this movie, he plays the talk show host, uh, Murray Franklin, who author is absolutely a huge fan of. And his dream to always want to be on that show was amazing. Uh, and to see author going to uh, his imagination of being on the show is, is quite interesting. So, you know, Murray Franklin was the character that he plays the, uh, the Jay Leno, the... Um, 
you know, the, uh, I guess the Jimmy Kimmel's, if you will, type of deal. But this is also based, like, in the past, too. I don't, I think, I, would, I don't remember if they said this was based on, like, the 60s, 70s, or 80s. Um, but this was, uh, it had a really old school feel. Like, it, they even show, the cool part I love was at the beginning. They even showed the um, the classic Warner Brothers logo, the old school Warner Brothers logo from I believe the sixties, seventies, and I believe somewhat of the eighties, uh, mostly the sixties, seventies. But it was really cool. I, I haven't seen that logo in ages, so it gave you that type of feel too of the quality of style of film they were doing, very uh, period piece retro, if you will. Um, so Robert De Niro was really well done. I mean, the dude does no wrong. He's Robert De Niro. What can you say, Zazie? I'm hoping I'm saying her name right. Zazie Beats, who you guys know as Diamond O on Deadpool. Also, of course, ATL or Atlanta. Uh, you know, she she was on here as well. She she was really well done in here as Sophie uh, Dumond. Um, one thing I do want to note, that between her role and Robert De Niro's role, they weren't on this movie a lot, but when they were on, they were very effective. So the subtleties of the characters that they had on here were very subtle. They weren't like a big focus on here, but they were focused for the purpose of author. So when they came up, there was a certain significance and importance towards them being on and when they were. So they weren't overly in this movie a lot, but when they were, they were very effective and it meant something. So I just, I definitely, I love that part right there. Um, Francis Conroy, who... I, the reason why I bring her up because I, I, many, I immediately I knew who she was, and I'm a of course I've always loved watching How I Met Your Mother, and I was like, that's Barney's mom. <laughs> she is Barney's mom on um, How I Met Your Mother, but she did a great job playing Arthur's mom, Penny Flack. Uh, she it's very interesting. You knew that she was kind of. She fell ill. She really played that to the T. Um, you kind of felt bad about her and what was going on with her and everything and what she was doing. She was sending constant letters to Thomas Wayne, and we didn't know why, but, you know, and I don't even know if Arthur was actually sending them or anything, but he actually finally opened one of the letters in the scene, and it just revealed a whole bunch of things, and... Or at least we thought it did to some extent. It's it's really crazy. This is really really crazy um, movie. We is this is the part where it started getting a lot like Fight Club, in a sense, and it reminded me of that. So, but she did. I thought she did a really great job. Um, he made. I mean, they these characters grabbed you. These t- characters these characters here really grabbed you, really emotionally in a sense. Uh, you know, you really felt for a, even author, of course. And it's because you knew what he wanted to do. You knew what he was trying to do and just went a whole nother way. It was very Walter White. (laughs) There's a lot of Walter White essence in this in his portrayal in here, or at least in the character development of this thing. Um, So I I really I really enjoyed it. I really um, appreciated everybody that was a part of it. But those two four, there was a lot more. There's a lot more. A lot of other characters here. Another ATL character was um, in here as well. Um. I forgot his name, but he played uh, Miles's father on Into the Spider Verse as well. He's one of the co-stars of ATL. I don't really, I haven't really watched ATL like that. I, I know a lot of people like that show, but to me, it, it, there was something. It was a great show, but it bothered me a little bit too much for some reason. Um, I, I, I don't want to even get into why that is, but it's just something I never kicked. But that dude is, I love his. Uh, 
He's a really good actor. I just forgot his name, but he played an Aaron. It was a scene where he was trying to get the uh, records to find out uh, a lot more about Penny Flack's uh, situation based on what was said. But um, there's a lot of great actors, but those three stuck out for me more than likely anything. So I pointed those out. Favorite scenes for me of, of this movie. Favorite scenes for me in this movie. Uh, when we discover that author was projecting imagery, uh, imaginary images, actually, to bring comfort and sanity to his life, including his imaginary relationship with his neighbor, Sophie, uh, Sazzy Beats. And that was interesting because all through the movie, you thought that, like, it was, they were actually, he actually got into her. And lo and behold, that never happened. Wow. <laughs> when he revealed that near the end, I was really, I was like, really, 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 really astounded. I was like, wow. I was astounded at like how they put that together. And then also other things in there that he was like imagining as well. So um like we knew he was imagining himself on on um Murray Flank our Franklin show. But and up until it really happened. But it 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 I was really I was really, really I was beyond surprised at the fact that he was imagining that relationship the whole time. I thought he thought it was kind of weird at first at how he actually got into the relationship and how she was actually feeling him like that. But turns out that wasn't the case. And his um his mother also revealing that his father was Thomas Wayne, only to find out that she was she had a mental illness that resulted in her actually you know records of him. And this is the part I was talking about with the guy from um, Atlanta actually was uh in that scene and he was trying to get the records you know from and come to find out she there was articles everything and records of her mental illness and her abusing author during really very uh, gratuitous abuse and violent abuse to author which led to him him with his own condition like all of what he happened to him was based on some of the abuse that she gave to him which is why he probably can't he doesn't have a cognitive function to remember any of that so i thought that was very interesting as well it's just this crazy you know it's so sad the real the reality of this the sadness of this movie is how i've heard things like this before i've you know they're i mean not to this level of what they did with author, but more or less the effects of uh, the mom. You know, I used to work at a place that involved a dementia, um, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff like that. So those stories are real and they're scary. And this is why we, you know, people are talking about a lot of things of how we need to really put more effort into, you know, nonprofit organizations like the Alzheimer's Association. And, um, and it really take care of those who are really mental ill it's a real thing it's we see that it's really affecting and our solutions to it is atrocious right now as to how we're allowed to get a you know for allow allowing these you know people who are mentally ill to do some of the things that they're doing out here we're not helping them it's just it's atrocious it's really atrocious all for the sake of money and uh, it just, it's I don't, that's a whole nother discussion but I digress. The story of how the lower stratification uh, of Gotham 
felt about the way the upper stratification treated uh, them as society was also a really big thing, which is also something connected to what's going on out here in the real world today. You know, a little bit heavy on that subject. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting thing because all of that connected somehow to the actions of what Arthur was doing. When he shot the three guys, he shot the three gentlemen in, um, at the subway. Many thought that in, in Gotham felt that that was a message to those at the higher stratification and the upper and um, the upper stratification would, you know, was thinking, was feeling about it. And somebody of the lower stratification, you know what I mean, like lower income, stuff like that, they decided that that's the way that they were treated and they didn't want to be treated anymore. So they felt that he shot them based on that. No. He shot him because they he they were mean to him. They beat him up. <laughs> so he took it out on them, and they just took it as their own message. That was deep. That was really deep in a sense, and it's real. It is real. That I mean, it's happened before. It's not art. Uh, it's not reality imitating art. It's art imitating reality. <laughs> you know. Um, this it was a really deep situation, but it's a situation that is. Happen. It, it's it. There's there's a discussion about that in in a real world, but not to that extent. And hopefully, it will never get to that extent. Um, it's just it, it just it is. That's Gotham. That's what's happening in Gotham. Um, we do have our own issues in the real world, but not to that extent. I I can definitely say that. Um, not to the extent that we're like rioting and doing all these same things. We're not at that level. I hope we never get to that level at this point. Um, so that was a very interesting scene about that. And it, and it, how it just it's something that happened that based on what author did and his intentions became something way bigger. It's, it's like cause and effect. It, it's really cr- a crazy case of cause and effect here. Um, the scene where also where we also discover that all the chaos that authors did created by shooting the three men turned into uh, an infamous death of Thomas and Martha Wayne. All of that, everything that he did. All of that, the rioting, the fighting back as society, led to the infamous scene in Crime Alley where Martha and Thomas Wayne died, leaving Bruce all alone. And all Bruce is seeing is this clown mask. I love how they connected that. I really did love how they connected that. And also, I I, I didn't point out to the scene where, you know, Arthur and Bruce first meet at Wayne Manor and they have that little connection Bruce is a little kid Joker is like yay uh he's like uh older than he is and it's just it's amazing what they did with that just absolutely amazing what they did with that that moment and uh, I believe we saw Alfred uh as well for the first time it's kind of a big Alfred too he's dude is dude is thick as hell <laughs> he was big not I mean like swole like big so and, um, you know, so it was really interesting. All of that, all of it, everything that he did led to that moment. And, of course, that also, of course, was the moment where Arthur finally realized what he wanted to be, what he, who he was or where he felt he was and just embraced it, embraced the chaos that is, that is within him. Uh, he, you know, all the things he did, he offed his mom. He went on that talk show and offed his idol his idol who by the way was kind of making fun of him in the beginning so i mean 
there was the rhyme or reason for that. Never say that's the solution for it, but that's this is the Joker. We we can't we can't argue, you know debate with him. So overall, this was a very deep, dark, realistic telling of the Joker. The performance, the writing, the ideal concept that uh, somewhat relates to discussions we are having today really drew you in. Really, kind of had the audience too. I mean, the audience in in my theater, and it was a packed theater, by the way of people who wanted to see this movie, who were not afraid to see this movie, who, I mean, honestly, took a chance. We, we, we trusted each other. I'm sure there was a, a cold, you know, very eerie, subtle feeling of watching this movie of, could something happen during this movie? Could somebody just go out and go crazy in this movie? Luckily, fortunately, thankfully, nothing happened. We all got to see a really deep, deep masterpiece of a movie another great joker telling and uh this the movie really drew you in joker is just another rare win for dc in my opinion uh this may be a classic film that will be told for years on end as i mentioned i can't help but to see that this is definitely this is i see this is getting a lot of golden globe nominations rather for um best actor or best movie or whatever like that i guarantee you see it um the biggest question of all, at the end of the day, is Jack Juan Phoenix the greatest Joker ever of them all? For me, as great as he did with this deal, I still give that to Heath Ledger. I think Heath Ledger's Joker, uh, to me, was a little bit edgier. But then, I then again, when Heath Ledger was the Joker, by that point, he was already established. Jack Juan Phoenix was the telling of a new developing, you know, persona of the Joker. So we haven't got a chance to see him during the times when he's fighting a Batman or such. The deal is here. It's like just it's two perspectives of the Joker. You got Heath Ledger, who played an already established, already made up his mind conviction Joker. And then we have one who's trying to question himself to becoming the Joker, on a road to becoming. So with that said, I kind of give them a tie in respect. I think they both did a equal deepening telling of the Joker and his persona. It's hard to really say which one was better than the other, but I kind of give them, they're tied. They're tied. I don't think one was better than the other in this case. But... Heath Ledger had a chance to play the more established Joker. So to me, he's kind of already there and he already played himself as like really deep. But this more creepy telling and, you know, upbringing of the Joker was, you know, it had, it had a lot more, it had a lot of depth to it. Had a lot of depth to it. We, we, we can compare and contrast or we could combine the two together to see like this Joker became that Joker easily. So... I, I, you know, I could give them both. I would give them both for me. Um, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. For that and everything else about the origin of the Joker, I give this very powerful film a A+. There's no doubt in my mind. This, this is one of DC's best movies since The Dark Knight. Bar none. And I see, I see this as another win for, um, for DC this year. It, I don't think they're going to make anything this good. And I would also say, I would also on top of that say, this is a origin uh, origin story of a villain. 
we're still waiting for Sony to do their origin stories of all the Spider-Man gallery. Even when that happens, if that happens, and we already seen Venom. We already see Venom. We already saw what they did with Venom, which turns out he's not really a villain at all, which totally sucks. I don't see Sony doing anything close to what they're doing here with Joker. Nowhere near. I don't see Doc Ock getting that type of same thing. There's no way. I, I, I could be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong. But this was deep. This was, and I don't think they'll be able to tell, you know, how would they be able to, what, they, what, what, Tom, what Todd Phillips did here was that he was able to use the character, the vessel of Joker, and be able to assimilate it into what's going on in the real world and some of the touching the issues um, involving what's going on in the real world. I don't know how they'll be able to do that, if they will be able to do that, or tell a really good story the way that they did that with this. Not saying that they have to base it on what's going on in the real world, but it always helped that you had something of great reference and influence, you know, to go by. And they did. They, they were able to take advantage of the times and do it with this. I don't know if Sony will be able to do it, but we'll see. We will see when, when, that, when that time actually comes. Thank God it will be for quite a while. So, <laughs> uh, with all that news, uh, with all the news going around with the fear surrounding the movie due to the tragic incident that occurred years ago uh, at the premiere of The Dark Knight, which is still tragic. And I, and I don't blame that city, that county, or uh, where, that uh, area for not playing this movie at all. It, it's, it's, hard for, it's, it's easy for us to say that we can go see we'll fight back but it's even it's hard it's it's harder to be in that situation to be a part of that to be around that neighborhood to know the people who were affected by it and say and you got to count like city life and county life and all that stuff depending on where you are they're they're different ideologies and some people aren't used to it. Like I, I'm from I'm from around a neighborhood. When I grew up in a neighborhood, where like we hear gunshots a lot back in the day. Thank God not now. But we we used to hear gunshots all the time. And when somebody got popped or passed away from being popped, it was, we were jaded towards it. It was sad, and it was really sad. We were products of an environment at one time then that we were used to that. We didn't have of you know saying like. We weren't affected by it as much because it kept happening, whether it was by our own means or from police means. You know, it just it that that was a thing. It's you know, we see it all the time. Um, so we expected it like but not everybody expects it, nor should we. The bad part is we should not expect it. In some cases, we should feel like they you know, those people um, feel who were affected in that, you know, that tragic passing back then. We should. Nobody should be jaded towards something like that. It's just ridiculous. But should we, after all these years, still fear going to the movies to see a movie? Should we allow that? It's like, yes, we understand what they went through. But should we allow fear to blanket us for our our rest of our lives? When are we going to fight back? So with that said, I did a poll asking the ACMG members who they... Would they go to see the movie despite the fear of something happening at a theater? And this is one of those situations where like, you can't let fear take you over. That was my idea. The results are in, and 74% say, yes, no fear holds me. With only leading only 26% uh, 
uh, say, voted no, I would wait for the DVD. And it's perfectly fine. Everybody has their own threshold or whatever like that or, your fear, or fear level or whatever like that. But I did that to say we cannot allow fear to hold us. We cannot allow... I mean, we look what 9-11 has done to us. We feel like we moved on, but 9-11 changed everything. It was a sucker punch to our country, a country that at one point felt like nobody can stop us. We were the biggest ballers of the world. We cannot, we were undefeated. We were like Mike Tyson. And then we got sucker punch. Or we, now I don't even want to say sucker punch. We, 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 we got sucker punch. And we got hit so hard that the way we do things now, the way things are right now has never been the same. And I always say it dates back to that. We are now a more fearful. We, our country is a fearful country right now. Whether people want to admit it or not, we are so hesitant to laugh at jokes. We are so hesitant to approach people in any type of way. We, you know, without thinking something is going to happen to them, they're going to, you know, it, it's just, it's so bad. It is so bad. This is, I'm telling you, for those millennials who grew up now, in the 90s, we never had to deal with this. And it, granted, it, 90s or 80s weren't perfect. There were some things that we we're fighting now that definitely we should be fighting. But we're still becoming a more closed up, introverted community and society. And I feel like sooner or later, we got to fight back. We got to not fear. We got to allow. We got we to gotta change the way we are. We got to be able to laugh again. We got to be able to have fun. Things do happen, and they do happen, and it's sad. But eventually, we do have to get back into the swing of things. So I say that to say we're moving on to 2020. We need to keep fighting for our own sanity. We need to keep fighting to laugh. We need to fight, fight for our happiness. Just keep fighting, you know? Let us enjoy ourselves in a theater. Let us enjoy ourselves around each other. Let us be comfortable with each other. Let us be able to compliment each other. Let us be able to, you know, bring comfort to each other. Let us bring love to each other in a way that we used to, but better. So with that said, folks, that will do it for this edition of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Thank you so very much for being a part of the show again. And again, I believe, don't quote me on it, I will have a select start uh, episode this week, but I probably will not have a show next week because once again, I'll be traveling again and then i'll be traveling again this week so october the prime episodes will be kind of deep i will have um some select start episodes there may be some more exclusives coming soon gotta work on those as well so uh no no rest for the weary indeed but just want a heads up uh tonight i'm i'm recording this uh later in the day but tonight i'm i'm back home enough to make it tonight the cw marks its premiere of batwoman and a new season of Supergirl tonight. So um, get ready because this begins the countdown to Crisis on Infinite Earth. The biggest event. Guaranteed going to be the... They are hyping this up so bad. The biggest event in all of the Arrowverse. And we're going to say goodbye to Arrow as well this season as well. Too, so stay tuned for that. This week on Select Start, I will be reviewing NT Creates, Gun Vault, Chronicles, Luminous, Avengers, Z. I'm pretty sure. I got to look back. I got to listen to my... Uh, 
my previous interview with Matt Papa to see if I'm getting it right. And more news going on in the world of gaming. But also, I got other games that down the line I'm going to be reviewing. I'm, I'm also playing Ghostbusters 2 for the first time ever. And I, I got to mention that because that's a, that is one of the most significant games in both Hollywood and gaming history. So I will be reviewing it probably closer to, probably closer to a Halloween. Very appropriate to do it then. So... I got that going on. Overwatch is coming in about another week or so as well. Asphalt 9 is coming. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about um, leading up to the weeks and now for Select Stars. So stay tuned for that and much more. For now, folks, thank you so much. Listen to us on TalkTimeLive.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and probably many more. You can follow me on Instagram at Xavier Josiah, D-A-X-A-V-I-E-R, dash, or forward slash, J-O-S-I-A-H on Instagram. You'll easily find me. Uh, just look out for it. Or had, just look out for me out there. I'll, I'll always be out there. So thank you guys at all. If you want to listen to all of our interviews with some of the best in all things anime, comics, movies, and games, definitely go to TalkTimeLive.com and go to our exclusives page. Or you can type in TalkTimeLive.com forward slash exclusives for all of our great interviews with game developers, actors, artists, and many, many more. So definitely go out of your way to check that out as well. So for now, thank you, everybody. This is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week, people. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.